Well, hey, Soma Downtown. I am Kent, and I'm one of the pastors at Soma. And I am coming to you via my church office here at Soma Midtown in isolation. Uh, well, first of all, uh, this office was recently put together by Fall Creek Place Missional Community. So shout out to the Fall Creek Place MC. Uh, who's on that? Rachel Holiday, Tyler Laughlin, Ryan Olson, oh, Connor Michaela, Trevor and Alexa, Caleb, Gabe, Austin. Austin actually is not in it, but he did come to bring the hammer drill to drill stuff in the walls because it's cinder block and I'm in the basement. But either way, uh, they are my new favorite MC, by the way. Um, and they're not my MC. Sorry to my MC, but you guys didn't put my office together. So think about that next time. Either way, um, I'm here and I am here in isolation because I am socially distanced. I'm in the basement of Soma Midtown and uh, yeah, I do share with Tayshawn and Hannah but they decided to hole up elsewhere, and this is honestly way more uh, socially distanced than my house. I mean, I have four kids right now. I mean, that's why I, I kind of figure I've already had the coronavirus. Like, I probably had it last year, and I probably gave it to a pangolin who then gave it to somebody in China, and then it's just come back around for everybody else. But either way, uh, it's getting crazy out there. It's, uh, I, I am traveling in, and it's been nice a couple days this week. And because my uh, kids don't have school and I don't have to do school drop-off, I get to bike, which is, like, my favorite thing to do. Um, and uh, it kind of feels like you're going, like, you're in the Book of Eli or I Am Legend or something. Like, I, th- this is... True story here. I uh, I was biking by the post office on 54th Street, uh, like off Keystone, on my way back from the office to my house, and I saw a vulture eating like the carcass of what was probably a squirrel, but in my memory, it will forever be a small child. So it really was like post-apocalyptic stuff going on. Um, but either way. Uh, I don't know how you are listening to this. You may be listening um, with your MC as part of a digital gathering, or maybe you are gathered in smaller groups to adhere to uh, Joe Hogsett and the CDC's uh, precautions of, of being in a group under 10, um, or maybe you're listening to it ahead of time. If you are together with other people, I know it's like awkward to listen to something uh, in a, a group, so I invite you to close your eyes or just, you know, stare up at the ceiling or, or I don't know, just pick someone to stare at the entire time. What do I care? Um, but either way, uh, next week we're going to jump back into, well, not jump back, but jump for the first time into our Lent series. We actually never got going with that because the apocalypse broke out, uh, known as COVID-19. And uh, the, yeah, so we're going to get into it next week. But this week, I wanted to to, uh, just take a week and talk about what I've been reflecting on this season, Um, particularly what this season brings for an opportunity for our church. So uh, this is, I don't know, I I don't want to sound heartless in this because this is like a really rough situation. There's some people that have been really uh, affected by uh, COVID-19 and uh, obviously globally and in different parts of the country and then even people here locally. Um, but 
as it comes to, and again, this is like, there's a poverty of language for this. I, this isn't the right terms, but like silver linings or uh, uh, the benefits of what's going on here. Uh, I think they're all related to the church because for the first time, particularly in the American church, we don't have a Sunday gathering or a building to point to. I mean, some people are still gathering, I suppose, but for the most part, and, and for our church, we don't have a building to say, hey, that is the church. And so it's making us ask the question, how are we the church if we don't go to a building on a Sunday morning? And then we're having to answer that we have to be the church. We have to be the ecclesia is the Greek word, or that means the called out ones, because it was an idea that Jesus is saying, I'm calling out a community to be an outpost of the kingdom, as Tim Mackey is a regular saying, and I, I like that terminology of kingdom outposts of the kingdom of God. And so uh, I'm getting really invigorated by like how my job description has changed here the last week uh and it changes every day because it gets you know news i mean like by the half day like you wake up in the morning and the news is different and then in the evening it's different again and in the uh morning it it's all it's just upside down again so either way but my job description as of now as of this morning i'm mainly you know with the sunday gathering uh being off the table it's really just shepherding people uh responding uh in care um, and then making resources like these to help shepherd. But it's maybe most, the, the biggest thing I focus on right now is equipping other people in our congregation to shepherd. This is the truest definition of what we talk about regularly at the church, which uh, at SOMA, which is we are an Ephesians 4.12 model. And uh, I mean, Ephesians 4.12, 4.12 is the equipping event that we just did a, a month or so ago with our people. Um, and it comes from yeah, Ephesians uh, 4, and I'm actually going to read 11 through 16, uh, where it says, And he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Those are all different offices of, of the church or, or giftings in the church. And then for 12 here, for the training of the saints, and that's everybody, that's not just the holy people, but that is everyone who is a Christian, for the training of the saints and the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach in unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God, Son, uh, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness, in the techniques of deceit, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Like, it is a picture of everybody being the body. And in American church, sometimes we get this hyper-focus of the pastor or the pastors or the church staff like way over functioning and the rest of the body just kind of coming along for the goods and services and that's not really an option right now i mean it it, it can be in some forms of doing digital church but even that is just like a cheap substitute for what we're really being called into right now and so i'm personally really invigorated by this time for that reason at least and on that side of things um, because yeah, all of a sudden I'm sitting around training MC leaders and we have an MC coaching structure that popped up overnight. It was something that we've needed for the past five years and have been talking about. And all of a sudden 
the important non-urgent is able to be done when you don't have a Sunday gathering to focus on and when you're in a time when you're like, hey, done is better than perfect and we're just building the plane as we fly here. And so uh, we have this, uh, all of our MC uh, leadership teams are being checked in with coaching and then um, MC leaders are all of a sudden becoming like on the ground house church leaders. They're having to focus on how do they be uh, caring for people and we're caring for them and, and coaching and, and instructing them and, and yeah, coming alongside certain situations, but most part just equipping them to be the church. But really we need more than just our MC leaders or, or deacons or, or certain leaders in the church uh, to, to be the church. We need everyone to be the church. So we need to equip you all, MC leaders, um, call people. I, I, I'm saying to you, I guess, in these times where you're gathering together, this is a good time to just call, whether it's digitally or in person, uh, everyone to be equipping each other. I mean, this is a time to really lean into things we see in the early church when people are meeting in homes. And you get like things like 1 Corinthians 14, 26, where it says, what then is the conclusion, brothers? Whenever you come together, each one has a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, another language or interpretation. Uh, or in Colossians 3, 14 through 16, it says, Above all, put on love the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of the Messiah, to which you were called, in one body control your hearts. Be thankful. Let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart, with, uh, heart to God. Uh, again, these images of church of where like all people are coming together and co-encouraging co-teaching co-shepherding one another which i've i've been casting that vision for a little bit now i, I think that other leaders in our church have and now we're just at this point we're just like god's like well or let's just let's just do it let's stop talking about it and yeah like i said i'm excited about that so i just want to talk about a couple ways i think um if uh, you want to put a title on this sermon uh, i wrote how to be the church during a plague so uh that's that's where we're going and uh here's ways again that i've just been reflecting on this week um the first way is to care for the vulnerable uh care for the vulnerable but not just one group of vulnerable. Right now we are very focused on one group of vulnerable and it's a good thing to be. And that's where I'm going to start is we just need to care for the vulnerable in health. Um, and therefore a lot of our congregation is young. I mean the median age is like 15. And uh, so you know we're fairly decently well equipped to, to probably fight off coronavirus uh, should we receive it. But we're also the ones who people are like saying, yeah, I mean, they had to shut down restaurants because you, you all just wouldn't stop going to get some good small plate eats uh, in the midst of uh, people dying like crazy in Italy. So uh, yeah, don't be dumb. Observe social distancing uh, whenever possible and wise. Uh, wash your hands. Yeah, this is like, uh, this is I think what Paul would be writing if it was like in this time writing to like a plague in this modern day. He'd be like, He's like, hey, be good citizens, you know, keep your grandparents safe, people. Um, because, you know, we see, we're seeing increasingly the effect of, of this uh, virus spreading too quickly. I mean, in Italy, you have people like a thousand dying by the day and them having to sit there and be like, man, we, we no longer can treat the most vulnerable. In fact, we have to treat the youngest people because they're just the most likely to respond and have a longer life and, and be able to get off the ventilators quickly so we can save more people and just and let the others go. And, and so... 
I've been talking with doctors uh, in our congregation, and they've been saying, hey, you know, it, there is something in the fact that, like, if it gets too out of hand, we don't have the infrastructure to respond. Uh, so be wise. Um, and, and think of the doctors, too. The, the more uh, this runs rampant, uh, the more they have to be exposed. And those are people who, regardless of age in other countries, are being uh, in life-threatening situations because of how exposed they are to the virus. And so think of the doctors that you know in our congregation and be wise about it. Um, so there is a call to be caring for the vulnerable uh, in health, but there's other communities of vulnerable in this epidemic. And that's where I think I want to call us to be thinking, not just with right now, I mean, all the news coverage is, of course, going to be towards health. And again, that's a big, important thing. I want to be clear on that. Um, but there's multiple pandemics going on in our country right now. And another one I would say is caring for the mentally, emotionally, and socially vulnerable. Um, social distancing in all the countries where it's taken place, they have seen huge spikes in anxiety, depression, suicide, uh, and divorce, interestingly. Uh, apparently, when people get caught up together in their marriage and they run out of Netflix, they just don't see the point of marriage anymore. And they're just running to get divorced afterwards. And some of that is because, hey, it's probably a pressure cooker for like if it was a healthy marriage before, you get put into this social distancing for months and there's a pressure cooker of, of health or unhealth. And, and some of it too is just there's no accountability. And so little sin, whether you're by yourself or, or just in your marriage or with your family and, and we're more alone and there's less accountability and less people, there's just something about like there being less light to shed on sin that just like makes little stuff all of a sudden start growing into big stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, just with the mental, emotionally, uh, socially vulnerable, I mean, first of all, we, we were not exactly the beacon of mental health in our country leading up to this. And now we have single people living alone, being social media shamed to completely isolating. And I, I just think that's a recipe for it to continue this trend of, yeah, anxiety, depression, God forbid, suicide. I mean, if we are not losing people via health and the coronavirus, but are losing people in suicide, we, we don't win. And so, again, there's wisdom to be used here to recognize, hey, there's lots of people in our congregation where we don't look like a, a vulnerable congregation when it comes to our age and our, our demographic and our overall health. But when it comes to single people living alone or, or just living in small groups or just young marriages that are all of a sudden being put in the pressure cooker or young families, um, there is a vulnerability of remaining connected to one another. And so uh, just some ways I think we need to combat that as the church is we need to really be checking in with each other. And we need to know each other's needs, particularly in missional communities. First of all, if you're not in a missional community and you're listening to this, uh, please, I know it's kind of a weird time to join a missional community because, like, you know, some missional communities are only meeting digitally and it's, like, weird to meet people digitally. But, like, at the same time, it's never been more vital to be in community. So uh, go to somemany.com. At the top, there's coronavirus updates. And then you can click on buttons by congregation. And we are updating on the regular uh, ways to get involved in the missional community, ways to serve, uh, just uh, resources that are going to be up there. So uh, that is going to be uh, a lot is going to be uh, coming at you there. So I, I'll probably refer to that uh, several times during this, this podcast. So um, somemany.com, 
coronavirus update button at the top and the, the Summit Downtown button. Um, but either way, um, so yeah, uh, knowing each other need, uh, needs in your MC, uh, knowing when people have financial needs. Uh, we are also vulnerable uh, when it comes to a lot of people are lower on the totem pole in their jobs and a lot of people's jobs are losing a ton of business and there could be potential layoffs coming. I talked to somebody the other day who said, I mean, he was a small company, but he said they had to lay off 25% of his company uh, the other day. And that is a real thing. And that is, uh, we're just at the beginning of that. And so there's gonna be financial needs. Um, that we're going to have. And, and this is another thing, and you'll see this also on the website. Uh, we are right now trying to, to create a fast working benevolence system to care for people who lose their jobs, to care for people who have to be quarantined or have their uh, primary breadwinner or both uh, breadwinners or whatever in the family have to be quarantined and, and lose income that way. Um, we're working on just kind of like best practices to have like, you know, resources like all the resources that we were using in other ways for Sunday gatherings to reallocating them towards uh, benevolence and so uh, please communicate with initial community leaders or I think care at somebody.com is a way that you can reach out directly um, and so just know that those are resources that are we're, we're making available um, but no social needs you know know the social needs of your group um, I've been talking with MC leaders and I've been really just excited that they've had really great instincts up to this point uh they've just said things like i've just been connected with them like yeah i just went ahead and just reach out to everybody in our group make sure how everyone know i know how everyone's doing just know what their needs are keeping a good pulse beat and that's exactly i mean i think what we should be doing all the time but this is just a time to practice it with with force and with uh just make it a strength um, use texts. I started like 36 text threads uh, yesterday. I think I think that's a close to the exact number I counted. I just forget if that's exactly right. Uh, and that's not even to mention like how many texts were in each of those threads. And uh, it was just I kept thinking of people I care about, and I wondered like how are they doing? And um, I just wanted to know. And so I just I'm using texts, modern shepherding, and uh, and, and caring for people. Uh, I was talking with a, another MC leader who said uh, the women of her group started a Marco Polo and they've just been Marco Poloing back and forth. And she's like, I've talked with people in my MC more in the last couple of days than I probably ever have. Um, so this is a good time for that. Uh, use Zoom in non-productive means, like Zoom, just Zoom lunch with people. Um, don't take lunch at your desk and stop and just Zoom together and, and be together. But um, this is all time to be caring for the church well. And this is Galatians 6.10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Um, I was uh, talking with my discipleship group uh, this morning, actually, and the way that we we go through discipleship group is we just kind of have four standard questions to talk through our lives and let that be the starting point of conversation for us to, to sharpen one another and so there are things like uh, what are you praising God for um, where are you struggling right now um, how are you forming yourself into the image of Jesus right now and, and how are you participating in building the kingdom and uh, we kind of said like yeah like building the kingdom like as it is to like making mission outside the church and, and non-believers and participating in the great commission of making disciples of every tongue tribe and nation is going to go down a bit for a while in the midst of social distancing possibly i mean i don't know uh you know maybe random text threads or whatever but um but 
at the same time, this is an opportunity for us to be family to one another. That is a loving environment to invite people into. So when things, if this does go on for months and people are really starting to go crazy, like literally uh, mentally unhealthy, um, or if people are losing their jobs and don't know where to turn, like let's be a loving family environment to invite people into. I mean, mission could really explode and has historically in other plagues for the church. Um, and regardless if it does, if maybe, maybe it doesn't. We just become a really loving family that cares for one another really well. That's the worst case scenario that we're talking about here. So, um, hey, it's not too bad. Um, don't give up meeting together. So again, caveat, yes, social distancing, yes. Be wise, and if you are meeting in small groups, there's information again on our our update on the coronavirus on the some downtown page about how to wisely be thinking through washing hands and lysoling before or you know Clorox wipe down everything before and after and and, and do those things but Hebrews 10 24 through 25 you get and let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good de- uh, good works not staying away from our worship meetings as some habitually do but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near uh, which again the day drawing near was like the final judgment day which uh, could be this week or next week I don't know uh, it seems it seems like it's drawing near uh, and even if it's not then just don't neglect meeting together um, and, and get that uh, Hebrews ten twenty five was given to churches in a context where persecution and plague were much more prevalent than they are today. And they're like saying, "Hey, there's there's something about not neglecting getting together." And some people are like, "Well, what about what about tech? Because we have tech, we have Zoom, we have these things where we can we can kind of be together without being together now." They didn't have that back then, but. Truth is, be told, they did have some tech. Like they had letters that that Paul sent around, and they didn't just read them to each individual person and like you know let them sit in Corinth for a while. They they said they all gathered together to have the letter read together. Now again, that was more efficient than like you know it just sitting there and like going around or and you couldn't make copies. But at the same time, it was like there was this regular rhythm of gathering together. And then in all of those letters, it talks about when you gather together, teach and instruct and do all these things. Again, in the midst of a time where plague and persecution were not off the table. In fact, historically, we know they did happen. Um, and, and so, yeah, we, uh, we have also just, uh, I, now I heard this, I, did, I wasn't able to find the article on this, but I, I heard that in the, this time of social distancing, you have the Eastern Church uh, that has already been through this, now saying to the Western Church, calling us, hey, don't neglect the gathering together. Uh, gathering together. Now that, that can mean in houses, and house churches, and in small groups, uh, maybe just in deception groups. You know, it, it doesn't have to, it is, the things continue to get smaller. Uh, what they're calling us to, to wisely meet in, we can, we can adhere to that. Though there might be a time where it says, hey, just meet with, just be with your, your own nuclear family, and that's it. Um, and I think that's a time where we, like other Christians and other periods in, in history, have to think just what is wise civil disobedience as we say, hey, who are my brothers and my sisters? Uh, similar to how Jesus asked that question, um, just who are our brothers and our sisters? I think the entire church is a part of that, and there are vulnerable, again, uh, people who are going to be kind of thrown to the dogs because it's like, hey, we got to be completely distant from each other. And yes, and amen when it's wise. But we love black and white policy 
in our, our day, uh, just like, tell me what to do all the time, every situation. And the Bible always is going to call us to reflect and meditate on wisdom, on what is wise for the situation. And we come from a faith that is all around the incarnation. I mean, Jesus did not Zoom call in. He did not text down. Uh, but he comes and he says, I'm going to enter into reality, into human flesh. Um, and, and there's something about just intrinsic about incarnational ministry. We talk about being with people. I mean, I, I feel like I've used this illustration uh, a lot in the last like six months or a year. But like anyone who's in a long distance relationship is intimately aware that there is a difference between FaceTime and actually sitting across from somebody, actually being in the room with someone, even if you don't touch them. My parents are in town now, and it's because regardless, they're like, hey, it's, it's a t- maybe not the best time to travel, but at the same time, they want to see their grandchildren. Uh, they want to uh, be with us, um, and they're just begging to get sick, I guess, because they're hanging out with us, but whatever. Uh, if they have to quarantine with us uh, and, like, they get to take care of our kids and stuff, I mean, as long as uh, uh, we don't kill them, uh, we really win on that deal. But either way, um, so, um, and, and, you know, I, I just think there's, we're going to feel this. Uh, if this continues to go on for, you know, as long as they say it possibly could, months or whatever, uh, I mean, I, I was tossing out Zoom links like they were candy in a parade yesterday. And I talked with a ton of people, and it was extremely productive. I mean, you just jump in, no travel, you less small talk, you get to it. Uh, I mean, even when you do Zoom gatherings, I'm sure you're already noticing. It's like you can't talk over each other. You can't have side conversations as easy. There's just something to not being incarnationally together. Uh, it's really productive, though, uh, but it's just hollow. Uh, it lacks some of, like, I, I just came home yesterday, and it's like, I've been talking all day, but... I haven't been with anybody. Uh, I've been alone in this cinder block cell that is now wonderfully decorated and painted and furnished uh, by the Fall Creek Place MC. Um, either way, um, so I guess the point is is that there's multiple plagues in play here. And again, the Bible calls for wisdom. We like policy. What do I do every single time? But we need to assess the situation. We need to think not just epidemiologically which I didn't know was a word until Tuesday, but now I know it. Uh, I'm not just thinking about this epidemiologically, but thinking about theologically. Um, and so, yeah, being smart in our missional communities, uh, the website has precautions of how to meet together smartly, uh, or, or deception groups, um, or um, maybe even, uh, I've heard of some MCs just pairing up uh, together and saying, hey, like, let's pair up with people that live close to you and, and get together and, and be incarnate in, to each other, be in the flesh, because um, it's important and it's going to be increasingly important the longer this goes. Um, another way I think we can really be the church in this time is to embrace the slowdown. Um, the Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer is a book that's like blowing up right now in the, uh, the Christian Living section. And it is because we just live in a fast-paced culture and all of a sudden God is like saying, you know what, let's just all chill out. And it's a time to really lean into Dallas Willard. I mean, that's uh, John Mark Comer is a big Dallas Willard fan. And I mean, who's not? I mean, the guy is really brilliant. Um, And he's regularly quoted as saying that hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life, formation, your joy, really. Uh, It's just like, hey, if you just don't want to look like Jesus, or increasingly look like him or stop growing, then just 
give yourself to hurry. And you don't even have to give yourself to it. You just kind of normally, in uh, American pace of life, you just kind of have to not actively fight against it. And now we're in a time where like the pace of life is changing. And you're like, all of a sudden the social calendar is slow. And don't just fill it up with Netflix and scrolling articles listlessly and house projects and work projects and all the important non-urgent in your life. Though, I mean, get those done. I mean, this is a great time to get all those lists of important non-urgent. This has been great for me in that. But also, formation, forming yourself into the image of Jesus is the ultimate important non-urgent. So start day, uh, start your day by, and this is what, it's something I'm doing. I, I wake up in the morning and I am not grabbing my phone first and like looking at articles or emails or even sports news because there is no sports other than NFL free agency and that's already kind of kind of peaked um, and it's getting sad but either way um, yeah I mean before I jump into that I just start by going through John 15 as I'm trying to memorize it in my head and just thinking through abiding in the vine and so I'm starting my day by meditation on scripture rather than a newsfeed or email um, there's science now to like whatever you begin and end your day with like literally the whole idea like it's the first thing I think of in the morning the last thing I think of at night there's science to how actually the first thing you think of in the morning the first thing you scroll through or, or app you close out and uh, or, or, or open up in the morning and the last one you close out at night that neurologically gets into you at a deeper level and so I'm just starting my day with John 15 abiding in the Bible um, and, and thinking through that a little bit more hopefully in the rest of my life and day until it gets into my bones, I've memorized it for, for so deeply into me. Um, and so uh, we also just hope to drop uh, podcasts uh, during the week. Uh, I'm not quite sure how often. Um, and we're going to be doing things where we're just going to be talking through. I, I'll be teaching some of them. They'll probably be like somewhere between five to ten minutes. Um, other leaders, uh, members, uh, we're going to pull into uh, our staff just everybody just kind of teaching on these and doing some experimental teaching you know just not creating like TED talks but just times where we're like hey like how can we use this time to give you something to reflect on um, rather than uh, the hopeless news or, or anxiety and fear and so um, that's uh, that's hopefully that's an idea that we have in the works uh, we have all these ideas uh, and maybe you know maybe you're listening to this later and they all came to fruition um, and, uh, and maybe they didn't, but this is a time to kind of, yeah, experiment a little, and that's kind of fun. So either way, I, I hope to actually lead one in maybe one of the earlier ones on just silence and solitude, kind of do what they do on the meditation apps, and that's, uh, you know, just uh, like literally, dig, a lot of, we talk about silence and solitude, and I'm guessing a number of you have never done it, and you're like, I don't even know how to start. So I'm just gonna like maybe do an episode where we go five to 10 minutes, and I just kind of like be like, hey, let's close our eyes, and, focus on this and, and remember this and just kind of like slowly sit there and give you time to be coached as you as you practice sounds and solitude uh kind of like the the mindfulness apps going on right now except just through a theological biblical bent and uh through the original sounds and solitude uh jesus was doing this a long time ago um and uh sabbath we this, i mean when we were working from home and a lot of you are you need a day to stop. I mean, you need a schedule. Right now, Sharon with our kids uh, is doing like, uh, take, take a lesson from what moms are doing with house, uh, like now homeschooling their kids. She's like worked out half hour by the half hour schedule. I mean, they start nine o'clock, 
with a Bible story and uh, one of the kids prays and I mean then they're going on to like doing reading and they go on to uh, free choice time for 20 minutes and they go out to recess outside when it's not raining think goodness we have a double lot in the city um and we have four kids that can play together this is this is the time where it's actually really advantageous to have a lot of kids to have four kids all you people with like your one two kids and now either you have to be fun coordinator 24 7 um or you're just like have to like break up fights all the time now you got four kids you keep mix them around and you know it's actually like we got a little self-contained community here so yeah, we win. Um, either way, uh, be fruitful, or be fruitful, multiply. I've already told them that. Don't just add, multiply. Um, either way, um, where was I? Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, have a uh, have a schedule. Um, have a day that you stop as a Sabbath. It's really important, uh, not just to be working and on twenty four seven, and actually having times of your day you Sabbath, and then one one day just to stop Sabbath. I mean, again. This is a time where a lot of the urgent's going away. Maybe you had to get everything up to launch digitally so that you wouldn't be forgotten about and your company might survive in the midst of this. And once you get that up, use this time to use this space. Um, prayer and fasting. We've been through those spiritual formation series. Um, we're talking about trying to create a resource where we, you can sign up uh, through uh, our page at, uh, our, at so many.com of just sign up for an hour to pray or a half hour to pray and just have 24 hour around the clock prayer. We're gonna utilize uh, our college student members who are uh, now at home doing distance learning who are naturally up at 4 a.m. and we're gonna just ask you to pray while you're for, uh, up at 4 a.m. And then, uh, you know, one of the uh, moms of small children will pick it up at six and, uh, or five or whatever and keep it rolling. And, um, and so yeah, that's something we're hoping to roll out. Uh, taking time to fast for our country. I mean, this is a time where like, we're realizing we are really dependent on God. And fasting is a time to recognize the sacredness of that moment. And so, yeah, maybe try in this season a, a, a weekly fast uh, or maybe a, a monthly one. Um, scripture. Get a reader copy of the Bible and just read long sections of, of Scripture. I know Amazon is now, like, slowly only delivering essential items, but once they get back and going or if they already have some in stock, get, like, a reader copy where they take out the verse numbers and they... They just make it in like a book form with like actual pages that aren't like tissue paper with words printed on them, but are actually just like, feels like a book and it smells like a book and just read scripture or, or memorize a passage of scripture. Get it into your bones. Um, yeah, I try to memorize at a level where I can say the whole thing in one breath and that there's a few points of the day where my mind just wanders there aimlessly to the passage. That's when I know, okay, this is like the level of in my bones. Uh, I could say this if I woke up in the middle of the night uh, I, and, I'm, and I'm just naturally saying it. That's the level I'm trying to get to in John 15 right now. Serve. Um, sorry, that was a big, all of a sudden, I, I just saw the spike of audio right there, so I'm like getting quiet and scaring people. Either way, uh, but yeah, no serve. Like uh, care for the financially vulnerable. That's another community. Um, yes, social distancing, again. But also remember, like this is not just gonna wreck uh, potentially uh, older populations, uh, COVID-19, but it also has a chance to um, go after the people who can't quarantine, uh, which yes, is some doctors, um, it's the homeless, um, blue collar workers who just like, you know, you stop working and you lose your job and then you are going to potentially go into a time of economic depression and having just lost your job. Uh, or if you're low on the totem pole and, and it, you just kind of like, I can't stop working. Um, and, and so there's no opportunity to uh, quarantine um, and socially distance as well. Um, 
did, I, it's so funny how much I've said the word socially distancing, a word that I didn't even know existed a week ago, and now I'm preaching a sermon on it, kind of. So there you go. We're in a brave new world. New times, folks. Um, so uh, seek out uh, need. Um, you know, again, don't just socially distance to get caught up in Netflix and house projects, uh, but, but serve. Be smart as you do it, but... I mean, we're, we're going to post opportunities at somany.com, how to serve Westminster, uh, the organization in which is operating in the building that we meet in. Uh, right now, a lot of their volunteers are older and are not able or, or feel very vulnerable in coming in and serving uh, in their grab-and-go food pantry that they're still doing to serve for people who need food in this time. Um, and so we're going to promote opportunities to serve at Westminster uh, with Tech Young Life, uh, right now, I know that they're getting Amazon food shipments to, to care for their families. And so you don't even have to go for those. You can just buy off of a list. Uh, we're going to get that information and post it as well as I'm going to talk with Satchel Burton and, and get more information on how we can serve as well. Like a lion, talk with Maddie Piscasio. She said we're, we're, they're putting together uh, activity uh, packets and baskets for their families. And you can purchase or just find stuff that is around your house that might be able to be activities for kids and families uh, and, and even put them together or maybe have an initial committee where you put them together um, and uh, or uh, you know the Near East Side newsletter uh, from the Bonner Center which is put out by our very own Ellen Bankston so I'm a downtown member um, is putting out all sorts of opportunities of how we can serve uh, in our community in this time because there are a growing amount of needs and sometimes it's going to be Christians saying like yeah I know I might get sick in this and I know there just might be some repercussions for this um, but I'm going to um, I'm going to be be the church in the midst of a plague uh, and so uh, again I, I talked about the last sermon that we met that the the plague hitting the Roman world uh, at the same time when Christianity was meeting in homes and bringing people who were cast out of their home and this was when the plague was killing people and inviting somebody with a plague into your home was inviting death in your home and the church grew across the world because it's compelling when a group of people are bringing in those who are cast out by their own family members uh, into their homes inviting death upon themselves there's something about that, that says I whatever they have I desperately want to be a part of that so um, uh, and, and I would say just lastly um, have a, a mentality of abundance in this season. God saw this coming. Uh, he is not thrown off by the drop of the coronavirus in 2019-2020. Uh, he has potentially, and not just potentially, theologically speaking, he has prepared us for such a time as this. And so, yes, I, I know like this is going to be a real thing where like some people are, are going to be affected by this with, with grandparents or, or or parents, or maybe even uh, you know younger individuals with uh, who are predisposed to other you know uh, pre-existing conditions, or or again, uh, we're not even quite sure how how effective or how uh, rampant things can really get as we watch other countries go through this first, and are just kind of bracing for impact here, um, and or or wondering if we can stave it off early, um, but. But yeah, as, as we think through this and as people potentially even financially are greatly impacted by this, again, and I'm not just talking like people out there, I'm talking about people in this congregation, maybe you already have been. Again, reach out. We want to be able to be a part of providing for one another. Um, but as, as this happens uh, and we have this regular sense of that God knows this, he can take care of us. Um, I say that 
saying like, yeah, this could go bad for someone downtown. I mean, you, you could all, everybody could lose their jobs and nobody could tithe and, um, you know, who, who knows? But I just got to believe that God is going to do something in the church regardless of what he does with the individual 501c3s that currently make up local organizations that, where the church meets uh, or, uh, or now it doesn't meet. And maybe this is God preparing us for a time, uh, I'll end with this concept of just uh, anti-fragileness. Um, there's a book, Anti-Fragile, which brings up this concept of like, there's things that are fragile, like uh, startups and nonprofits right now are extremely fragile. Um, and there are things that are strong, like a global economy or Western civilization, uh, where our like, enemies can't bring it down if they want to and can a global economy can absorb so much. However, we're in this time where one little cold virus that will kill a relatively small portion of a population and, and kind of extremes of the age stratosphere likely. Again, I'm not trying to make light of this. I'm just trying to say like, this is a relatively actually a small thing that's bringing a global economy and Western civilization as we know it to its knees. And so it's something that like, hey man, that looks really strong. Or you might think of it in church terms, like a, a church plant uh, is really fragile. And, and a mega church looks really strong. However, uh, a pastor has a moral scandal and that thing all of a sudden crumbles and you realize that was strong, but it, it wasn't anti-fragile. And anti-fragile, again, the best example if you're thinking of church terms is like the Catholic church who have existed you know, now for millennia, I mean, since the church uh, has existed and it has survived, yes, plagues and persecution and the Protestant Reformation and a, the, the priest sexual scandals and all these things. And it's because they've endured, everything that they've endured has actually started to now make them stronger. And in, in anti-fragile organizations, things that are actually pressing actually are what makes you stronger. You're not... Um, the most healthy because you've never been sick. You're the most healthy because you've been sick and have antibodies and now, uh, and now are stronger. Um, and um, that's, that's not a reason not to social distance, be smart people. But anyway, um, so uh, you, you have this anti-fragile Catholic church. I mean, think about it. the Catholic church in, in times of where things get hard and start pressing, it becomes stronger. And now it's as strong as it's ever been. And there's, it's not based off of one personality. It's based off of the mass and coming together and, and you know try to talk Catholic people out of being Catholic. It, it won't ha happen typically because again, it is, uh, uh, it's just a beautiful picture of how God has shaped the church and that, that branch of the church into an anti-fragile organization. Um, and maybe God is doing the same thing for us right now. So uh, what doesn't kill us make us stronger uh, is the cliche. And I mean, that's real. Uh, as a church, yeah, we could die. I mean, you could all go away uh, or yeah, again, you could all lose your jobs. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, not that some of that's not going to happen, but I just think this is a time where we're going to band together, um, maybe more than ever before. Uh, and I think God has prepared us for such a time as this to learn how to stop going to church and to start being the church, start knowing one another's needs, start caring for one another who have financial hardship, who have social hardship, who have emotional hardship, who have pain and truly becoming a family. I uh, was talking with a friend a while ago and just talking about a season our church was in um, and it was just a little bit of a more tumultuous time for me personally and I was just like saying like, oh man, I feel like I'm not able to lead right now. I just don't know if I'm going to survive this. And he looked at me and he said, if the church can't survive you, 
then it's not a church and it doesn't deserve to survive because a church is bigger than you it's bigger than these little things that go up and down and yeah I just think this is this opportunity to say maybe there's ways where we can step into it again not just going to church but being the church so let's go and be the church <laughs>